All right, so we are on our last uh, day of this 10-week series that we did through the summer on the study of David. I, me personally, I love studying uh, the topic of David and the person of David, and I hope, I hope God blessed you through these series of messages and digging through God's Word and looking at the life of David. What I want to do is I just want to take this last uh, message on the life of David and, and just kind of look at the end of David's life. And, and David, at the end of his life, we do have recorded for us in the word of God, what are the things that spoke to his heart? And, and I, I want to I look at his thoughts and now looking back over his life, because we know David made a lot of mistakes. He, he did some atrocious things before God, committing adultery, having her husband killed. We studied all those things. But yet the word of God tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And we know two things about David, that David understood forgiveness, that he was able to forgive others, and he understood repentance. That whenever there was a time where David was confronted with his sin, there wasn't a time that we read in scriptures that David did not own up to his shortcomings. David had a relationship with God. God pursued David. God loved David, so he confronted David with his sins. He didn't want David to go this way, but David made wrong choices. But God still pursued him. And thanks be to God, he still pursues us. And so what I want to look at today is, is the characteristics that, that David called God. And one of the characteristics that he had for God is that God was his rock. And I want to talk about that. And I, I want to give you a, vis, a visual of, of, a, of a rock. And the only thing I could think of is there's a place in the Adirondacks, and some of you may have been there. It's on top of a mountain. It's on top of Bald Mount where there's a fire tower just outside of Old Forge. And some of you may have climbed uh, Bald Mount. It's not a huge climb. It's only about maybe a half mile, three quarters of a mile. But I got a picture here of my kids and my niece Lydia on this rock, okay? It's a big rock. And it's right on that ledge where you could just push that rock over, you would think. So they're not even trying, by the way. So what happened was, this is what happened. The minute Wesley jumped off the rock, they pushed it over. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Big old, big hoss up there on the rock, not helping him. But what's interesting about this rock, I mean, you can't budge it. It's just, it's just there, and it's, it's been there uh, for years. And I love that picture because it, it gives me this picture of, of what David thought of his God. God was this rock that could not be moved. He had this security even in his life. And the bad decisions that David made, he knew that God was his rock. David understood that God was his foundation, that God would not be moved, even though circumstances in our lives may change, even though we may be moved, even though we may, might make bad decisions here and there. God is not moved. He is a firm foundation and with all of David's failures, he knew where to turn to for help. And what I want to look at is I want to look at David's life at the end of his life. And I believe it's much easier to have perspective in life when you're looking back, right? For those of you who are getting old, right? You're getting older and you're looking back over your life. And it, it gives you a much better perspective about your life. And hopefully we gain wisdom through that, right? Gray hair should equate to wisdom, Hasn't caught up to me yet. I'm waiting. Getting the gray hair. I'm waiting for the wisdom to catch up. 
Uh, and, and so we understand that we can look at our lives in a different perspective uh, the older we get. I want to look at 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses, verses 2 and 3. And here's, here's, what, here's what David says. You can look in your Bibles or you know, look up at the screens here. But I want us to see what he says here. Here's what, here's what, here's, here's, here's what David says in 2 Samuel. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior from violent people. You save me. And what I want to look at are the things that David focused on as he was looking over his life. Now, here's the thing. If we look over our lives, it can be very easy for us to zero in on all the mistakes that we made. How many of you ever made a mistake in your life? Just raise your hand. Okay, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just made mistakes. So you're with us all, okay? You're just with us all. Right, we've all made mistakes. How many of you know, have you ever felt this way? Like you could do 10 good things and then someone says one bad thing and you completely focus on that negative thing and it drives you crazy? Are you like me like that? It's just like, man, I try to do all these good things. And then all of a sudden there's that one negative thing that just burrows its way into our heart. And it's so hard to get over those things. And what David could have done looking back over his life as we look at these scriptures that look at the end of David's life as he's looking back and, and taking a perspective of his life. David could have easily looked at all his failures. But what does he do? He doesn't focus on his failures. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me drive this point home for you. Here's what I want us to do in our walk with the Lord. Because it's so easy to say, I didn't do this right. I should be praying more. I need to read my Bible more. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We can just look at these and, and just, you know, we just, I, I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. Here's what David does. He doesn't focus on his failures. He could have looked over his life and zeroed in on all his mistakes and how he let God down. How could David stand confident before the Lord with all the failures in his life? How could he do this? I believe this can help us to overcome the failures. Not that, we don't remi- not that we're not reminded of them, because I think it's okay to be reminded of them, because it keeps us what? It keeps us humble, doesn't it? It keeps us before the Lord and not to, to be filled with pride and arrogance and not to allow our egos to get in the way. But David does something here that's very unique because what David does here, he doesn't focus on his failures. He doesn't say, woe is me, woe is me. He doesn't do that. What he does is he focuses on the Lord. And what David does is he calls God, his rock, his foundation, his security. He, he, he doesn't find comfort in himself necessarily. He doesn't say, this isn't about me. This is about God. David was not the foundation of his life. And, and, and that's, what, that, that's what makes a world of difference, is that God was his foundation, not David. So how could David deal, how could he deal with all he has done, yet be secure before the Lord? And so what I want to do is I want to look at these words that David uses to actually describe who God is and God's character. David uses the word fortress, deliverer, uh, shield, horn of my salvation, which horn just means strength, 
um, stronghold, refuge, savior. None of these words have anything to do with us depending on ourselves. It has everything to do with God and who he is. So what David does is David acknowledges God as the only one who is truly great. There's this position that David has in his life where he says, God, you're my rock. You're my salvation. This isn't about me. This is about you. You're the one that delivers me. You're the one that forgives me. And I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you and not in myself. Because if I know if I put my hope and my trust in me, I'm going to let myself down all the time. And if we live our lives like that, we're going to live our lives in this roller coaster of a Christian walk where one moment we're up then the next moment we're down the next moment we're up. And that's not how God wants us to live out our lives in him. So he acknowledges God is the only one who is truly great. And this is what he says about God in second Samuel 22 verses 31 and 32. He says, as for God, his way is what? Perfect. And the word of the Lord is what? Flawless. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God beside our Lord and who is the rock except our God? What David does is he doesn't leave any margin for anything else. He acknowledges God. You are the only one. There is none like you. And so what does David do? What does David recognize at the end of his life? Well, he knows that he's made a lot of mistakes. Yet it was God that he trusted to save him to make him right before him again and again and again. And I believe this is a perfect picture that we can see in Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ accomplishes for us. That when we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can go to him over and over and over again and find a faithful high priest that that, that we can find help and mercy in our time of need. That's what kind of savior we serve today. And so David understood where to build his life. He needed to build his life on a firm foundation. And I want you to listen to the words of Jesus here because Jesus talks about building our life on a firm foundation. And what I I, want to ask you this morning is, is your life on a firm foundation? Do you kind of have one one foot with God and then one foot in the world? Because that's not going to work. And here's what Jesus talks about as he talks about a firm foundation in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the floodwaters rise, the wind beats against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand. Because when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will cause, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So the question is, how do we make it through this world? How do we make it through this world with all the uncertainties? Because we all know that storms will come, things that will blindside us will come. How do we stand firm in this turbulent world? You stand firm when you're on the right foundation. And when your foundation is Jesus Christ, your perspective about the world completely changes. 
your perspective about your circumstances completely change. Because you're not putting your hope and trust in your circumstances. You're putting your hope and trust on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And I, listen, I shared this with you last week. When, when we can get a correct understanding, a Christian worldview of why we're in the mess we're in today, it makes complete sense on how we are to live our lives. So if we understand that we're created by God for his glory, when we understand that sin entered the world through man's rebellion, and that's why there's ugliness and evil in the world today, and we understand the only way to fix it is not through more education, not through more government, it's not going to fix our problems. Can I get an amen? All in favor that those things don't, that those don't work? Right? The, the thing that we need to fix is something that those things can't fix and that's the human heart. And what Jesus Christ came to do was to fix that. He came in to say, we need a right relationship with God the Father, which was broken by sin. When you have that perspective of the world, it changes everything. That's building your life on the correct foundation. Because you understand where the answers lie. And this is what, this is are the things that David said to his son Solomon before he dies. Solomon is now anointed as the next king of Israel. And I want you to listen to what David has to say to his son. And this is such godly wisdom that David, at the end of his life, wants to impart into his son. Even with all of David's mistakes, he imparts this wisdom. And so we need this godly wisdom. This wisdom will bless your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to have a blessed life. How many of you want to have a blessed life? Hashtag blessed, okay? We, we, we want to have a blessed life, right? So what, what does this mean? Well, look at, I want, I want us to look at 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, because, because this is what David is speaking to his son. And it says this, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. And he says, I'm going where everyone on the earth uh, someday must go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep his decrees, commandments, regulations, and the law written, or the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. And he told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their hearts and souls, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, I, I want to I want to take a couple things here. I want to look at a couple things here, and, and what David says to his son, because these are things that I think, as a father, including me having two sons, and for those of you that have sons, these are things that you would want to speak to your son as they grow into manhood. Th- these these are words that the church needs to hear also, and these are words that we should listen to if we're going to have that that close walk. With the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what David didn't focus on. He didn't say to Solomon, make a lot of money. He didn't, he, he didn't say to Solomon, Solomon, I want you to make the NBA, the NBA, whatever it is, right? I want you to be the best athlete that, that, that you can possibly be. What David focuses on is Solomon's walk with God. That's the foundation for everything. Parents, listen to me. I know there's a lot of distractions in our world today that can vie for your attention, especially for your kids. The most important thing 
that you can ever do for your children is lay a godly foundation for their life. And And to exemplify that within your life about what it means to serve the Lord. It's so important in our day and age that we live in today that we're laying that foundation for our children so that they can be successful in their lives. Not just successful, meaning financial success, which is fine. But that's not what brings happiness. That's not the foundation. And what we do is we end up working our lives to the bone. And meanwhile, our kids need a father and a mother that's going to show them this is what it means to live for the Lord. And when they get older, the path they go, the path they go. But we we need to make sure that we're laying that foundation while they're young. And so here's what David does. He doesn't focus on this worldly success, even though Solomon's going to have wisdom and and be the richest man in the world at that time. David focused on Solomon's walk with the Lord. And yes, God would bless Solomon. Solomon would be the wisest and wealthiest man on the earth. Yet David tells him to walk in the ways of of the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three key keys here is just the crux of the message here and give you three keys on what it means to have a faithful walk with God. So let me just give you three things here on what it means to have a, have a faithful walk with God. And here's what, what David tells Solomon. He tells him to be strong. David tells his son to be strong and act like a man. And this isn't, this isn't advice to be macho. Um, what he's telling Solomon is to step up and actually be brave. And meaning being brave means doing the right thing. Even when everyone else is doing something, you're going to have to go against popular opinion at times if you're going to follow in God's ways. It's not going to be easy. You might get ridiculed, but I want you to step up. See, here's... Here's what doing the right thing is before the Lord that's so important for us to understand. I believe with all my heart, integrity is what you do when no one else is looking. See, when, when we walk in integrity, what we're doing is no one else is looking. I can make this choice. I know what I'm thinking about. And I may be able to, to hide this from my family or my friends. But this is a hard thing between me and God. And when I, have a, when I have a choice to cut a corner or maybe uh, cut corners on my taxes or, or maybe do something that's not the up and up or make a stand for something that I need to make a stand for, that's what David is talking about. Solomon, do the right thing. Do the right thing when no one else is watching. Be a man of integrity and walk in those ways now if we if you know anything about solomon's life did he walk in integrity he made some mistakes didn't he as you read about solomon solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines 700 wives i can't handle the one wife i have i can't imagine 700 of them okay so uh he's got and, and, and what happened with Solomon, because of the wealth, they wanted to be like other nations. Look, and, and by having all that showed your prosperity as a nation. And so what he ended up doing is getting all his wives to be like the other nations. And when you get these other wives, guess what? He's taking them from other nations 
And are they serving the God of Israel? No, they're serving pagan gods. And those pagan gods began to come into Israel and begin to ebb away at the purity of their worship of the one true God of Israel. And little bit by little bit, those wrong choices began to ebb away at the integrity of Solomon. And, that, and that's what happens to us. It's not, listen, it's not the big choices you make. It's all the small little compromises that we make in our lives that lead up to that big choice. And so many people say, well, I don't understand why that person fell or why that person cheated or why that person did. I can tell you why. It was in the, it was in the secret place in our heart that we made all these small little choices to not obey God that led us to that downfall. Can I get an amen? Because that, that's, that's where we've got to guard our heart. So David's saying, we need to step up there and we need to do what's right. The second thing that we see here about David, he says, obey what the Lord requires. So how do we know what the Lord requires? Well, we know the will of God by reading his word. He reveals that to us, what the Lord desires. I love what Paul expresses in Romans chapter 12 in the first two verses. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Can I have an amen? Great words of wisdom there through God's word. See, God transforms us through the obedience of his word. Listen, it's not about information. It's about transformation. So as I learn God's word, am I obeying what the Lord has told me to do? So here's the issue. Are we discipling, discipling ourselves to know God's word? And to know what his will is for our lives. Because this is what the word simply says. When you read his word, we will know. God says, listen, I don't want you to use your bodies like the world does. That's sexual immorality. That's what they practice. Here's my will. You want to be in my will? Use it to worship me and to honor me. And the correct relationship of a husband and a wife. Use this to honor me. This is what I see as holy and right. So the question is, okay, that's God's will. The question is, am I taking that step forward to obey what I just heard? That's when you know God is beginning to transform your heart when you begin to obey what the Lord says. So here's what I want to do. How many of you are up for a little challenge? Say, Pastor, I'm up for a challenge. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I just thought about this as I was writing the message. I want to to challenge you um, to read through all four Gospels in the month of September, and I'm going to do it with you. So this isn't, it's not a huge thing. You guys can do it because I know you spend four hours on Facebook. You can do this, okay? <laughs> Pastor, don't go there. Be careful. 
Listen, all you have to do is read three or four chapters a day and we can get through it. And I, I, for those of you, I just want to challenge you. Let's, let's together read through all four Gospels. And just let the Lord change. Just three, maybe four chapters a day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let's get through it together. And just here's, here's what I want you as you read through God's word. Here's the steps I want you to take. When you open God's word, I want you to pray, Lord, speak to me through your word. I want you to pray, God, is there anything in my heart and my life that's not lining up to this word? Then I want you to speak to my heart because God loves us. He doesn't want to shame us. He doesn't want to put us in more guilt. He wants to transform us so we can walk in the freedom that God desires us to be in. So pray, God, open up your word to me. Speak to my heart. Is there anything here that I'm not obeying? And just what I want to do is I want to, I want to create in you, for those of you who have not taken this step, a habit of reading God's word. And just, just make it a habit. I, I like reading God's words in, in chunks because I think it helps you to better understand the word of God. If you're just reading one verse, you open the Bible and you say, okay, God, just speak to me through your word today. Praise God. Okay. Okay, God. So I open up the Bible and we're in Proverbs. Chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Thank you, Lord, for that word today. I'm going to go on my way. All right, so I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want you to be that way. So when you read God's words in chunks, I believe you're, you're, you're better to, 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 to understand it. And so I challenge you, if you've not done that or take a serious step of really digging into God's word every single day, I want to challenge you to do that. I don't want it to be information. I, I want it to be a transformation in your life where you're allowing God's word to speak to your heart as you learn about God's word. Now, so if we do this and we obey him and we listen to him, we understand that, that God's blessings come with that. Here's the next thing that, that David does. He says to walk in his ways. And David encourages Solomon not only to know the commandments of God, but to actually walk in them. And I just want us to understand that we can go to all the Bible studies in the world, but it, will make, it won't make a difference unless we're living it out in our lives. And so I want you to listen to the promise that, that David gives Solomon if he walks in the ways of the Lord. He said, God will bless your steps when you seek him. And Jesus tells us, listen, when you're following me, you don't have to worry about your life. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. See, when we, when we put the things of the world before God, the, how many know that it just it doesn't satisfy us? We, we, we run to the next thing, and we run to the next thing. But when we seek God's kingdom first, the things that he gives us now become a blessing, not a burden. Isn't it wonderful when the things in our lives become a blessing and not a burden? I love that. I love when, when people say, Pastor, I'll share that with you. Or do you need something? Can you borrow something? I, I, God's blessed me. I can help you with that. I love seeing people just help each other in the body of Christ with the things that God has blessed you with, that you use the blessings of God to bless other people. I love when that happens. I love seeing that, especially at this time of the year when people just bless me with apple pies. I just love that. You guys are gifted with apple pies. I'll take them. This is, this is the best apple pie baking church there is anywhere. I mean, you guys are just... Let's think about apple pies for a minute. 
vanilla ice cream on it. How many of you, I know I'm getting off track. How many of you, how many, how many of you, you were brought up eating cheese with your pie? Raise your hand. Let's give those guys, I, I was, some of you are thinking, pastor, that's the grossest thing. My grandma Gerace, oh, I just grew up, I went to my friend's house and, and he had pie out and I'm like, where's the cheese? And they, like, cheese, what are you talking my grandma always gives me cheese. It's the best. So if you've never tried um, apple pie, get sharp cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. We're, we're having church now. I'm telling you. We're just okay. Now I totally lost my place. I don't know where I'm at. How do we get on apple pies? Okay. So here's the thing. We need to understand that God has provided everything we need through His Son Jesus. And so when we walk in his ways, we understand the provisions of God and that everything we have is through his son, Jesus. Our righteousness is found in him. Our forgiveness of sin is found in Jesus. Eternal life is found in Jesus. The blessings come when we actually walk in that. Now, I'm not talking about some financial thing that, okay, God's going to make it. Everybody wealthy in the financial sense. But what I'm talking about is a life that is at peace with God and a life that says all is well with my soul. Everything else may be going crazy on the outside, but I am well. I am good because I am standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what this world may throw at me. I know Jesus is bigger and I know Jesus has me in the palm of his hands And I know he's not going to let me go. So as we just close and and jump into communion, let me just ask you this question this this morning. Are you blessed today? See, God requires us to proactively walk with him. Um, When Billy Graham passed away this year, um, they posted his final message on social media, and I caught it. And some of you may have read it, but I want to read it to you. I think these are some incredible words to help us not to stray from God. Here's his final message. He says this. He says, if you went for a walk in the woods, but then decided to wander off the path and you find yourself surrounded by a thicket of thorns and poison ivy, Who would you blame? Would you blame the person who built the path? No, of course not. Instead, you blame yourself. And if you were honest, because you alone were responsible for wandering from the path. In a far deeper way, this is what happens when we decide to leave God out of our lives. For a time, it may seem like wandering away from him doesn't make any difference. It may even seem easier and freer. But eventually it catches, up with, it catches up with us. Just as wandering off the path into the thicket caught up with you. See, my question to you today is not do you have a little bit of God? Not to say, well, Pastor, I, you know, I try to come to church when I can. Where is your priorities? Is God a priority in your life? I'll be honest with you, it's very difficult for me to do funerals where I don't know the person and where they were spiritually. 
Where is God in your life? Is he first? Are you seeking him first? Is that important to you? And I'm not doing this to make you feel guilty. I'm just doing it because I want you to realize that Billy Graham is spot on. For a while, as we just veer away, it seems like it's not that big of a deal. It's only one week I missed here, two weeks I missed, three weeks, four, and then it goes on. It goes on and on. Well, I didn't read my Bible. And it just, it's just this path that we can easily veer off on. And God says, I want to call you to come back to me. I remember when I was in college, there was this very popular song by Larnell Harris. It was called, I Miss My Time With You. God misses his time with you. He wants to know you. He desires to bless your life. And I believe sometimes we just need to realize, are we taking these things for granted? Because we have so much that's offered to us here in the States. So where's your walk with God? Is, is, what, what thing, if we have a takeaway today, what, what thing is causing, what, what one thing would you think is causing my heart not to pursue God? And if, if I were to encourage you with anything this morning as we jump into communion is be consistent in your life with Christ. Be consistent in your Bible reading. Be, be, be consistent in bringing your family to church. Be consistent with God in making him the priority in your life. He wants to know you. And he wants to use you for his glory. That's why I love talking to Mariah when she came to my office last week and just shared her heart with me. I go, there's a college student that could be easily doing a million other things. But she wants God to use her, whether it's using French right? That's, a, that's as far as I go. Um, to use whatever occupation you have for God's glory and for God's purposes. You will have a blessed life when you do that. And there's nothing that the world could give you that could ever replace that in the Lord. So Father God, we just bow our hearts before you today and thank you for these words that we received from David. Lord, I pray that we would not forget them, that God, you would reprioritize our lives. God, you're not here to condemn us in Christ Jesus, but to actually set us free. But we, we need to be proactive in the way that we're seeking you. And the instructions from, your, from the word is very clear that we're to obey you, that we're to heed you, that we're to step up, God that we're to heed your calling in our lives. So Lord, I thank you that, that there is the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you love us and you're going to, you're going you're gonna to bother us, God, with those things that are wayward because you don't want those things in our life because we know that it will lead us off track. So thank you for bothering us, God. Bother us, Lord. Just bother us because you love us. Help us not to have dull ears to hear you or hardened hearts that we cannot feel you, Lord. And as we come to the Lord's table today, the Apostle Paul is so specific in the way he says we are to approach the Lord's table, that we are to first examine our hearts. So we examine our hearts, and we ask you to heal us today. We ask for forgiveness today.
And we just want to focus on Jesus and his sacrifice today. Thank you, provide, thank you, Jesus, for providing everything we need to find forgiveness and reconciliation with God the Father. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask these things.